My name is Tom Chick. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast, and I am here with uh, only just a guest. I, I don't even know how to, how to refer to you, Mark. I mean, Mark Asher, you are basically half of Quarter to Three. If it wasn't for you, the forum uh, would not be around. Uh, you and I did this. How long ago was that? Do you know offhand? Uh, it was. I don't know when did the internet collapse. It was right around then, you know. So. Yeah, the timing was was phenomenal, wasn't it? It, it was. We couldn't have done better. I mean, I don't know how we managed that. So yeah. So why don't why don't you describe for people who may not know this? Who because this, all this podcast stuff is like newfangled, you know. Uh, why don't you explain what exactly happened with uh, quarter to three? How did we start it, and what happened immediately after we launched it? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Just so people know, I'm I'm sort of like the Jimmy Hoff of quarter to three. My my body is buried somewhere in the cement under quarter to three. So, <laughs> uh, uh, well, we, I mean, Tom and I got to be friends uh, talking about games on um, on Usenet. Actually, yeah. Forget quarter to three. Let's go back farther than that. We we go way back to Usenet, don't we? We do, and I, re- I remember your crazy Usenet name. Even I don't know if I should reveal it or not because people might be able to look you up. But uh, yeah, it well, wasn't now, Tom Chick, no. So, but I think wasn't I even signing my name? Or I, I recall, you know, every did you ever have a goofy internet name, or were you always Mark Asher? I think I was usually Mark Asher. Uh, I, I think I've used like an email address or two at times uh, without my name. But that was probably just like, you know, hit on chicks or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> I go way back to the, the BBS days, Mark. Like, I, I remember being on, like, CompuServe's. I, they they might have even had game chat broken down by genre. I don't really recall. But I remember being on CompuServe. Uh, I remember being on some local BBS's. Uh, and I used the names of characters from, like, operas. Uh, and, yeah, gosh, I, I had just goofy names. And then at one point... I was just like, screw that, I'm just going to use my real name. And I think as far as I've known you, you always were just Mark Asher. Yeah, I, I pretty much have always been like that, probably just, just for lack of imagination. I, you know, I don't know opera like you. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I come up with some great names. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't do a whole lot with BBSs. I mean, I did do a little bit with them. Um, my first real Internet exposure was through Genie. Um, ah. And... Uh, from Genie, I moved on to eventually CompuServe. I mean, I know that we tried America Online for a little bit, um, but it was just kind of weird back then. You know, when America Online launched, it was just it, it was a, it was basically lots of chat rooms, yeah. and that just didn't interest me. I, I, I sort of liked message boards and email, and I still kind of prefer those. I'm, I've never been a real time chat guy that much. I kind of miss Usenet. I mean, quarter to three, and you know, message boards have replaced that for me, but I, I just like the whole flow of Usenet and the way it was broken down into to subdivisions and how each one felt like a different community, but the format was the same. You didn't have all these different, like, B-Bulletin. You didn't have people doing, like, picture SIGs. I mean, I, I, I sort of pine for the simplicity of, the, of those days. It was nice. It was open. It was extremely, well, I don't know if it was democratic is the right word, because there weren't votes being taken in but you know, it, it was very open, and yeah, and each uh, each little uh, group did have its own little community. There was the War Games group, where that guy, a crazy guy, Old Salt. Ah, yes, right. He would just like rattle the sabers all the time. Um, and then, of course, Derek Smart on the I think wasn't there a Space Sim group? 
that I think Derek Smart sort of terrorized that yes. one for, for a long time. Yes, that was a never. I mean, that one. Yeah, that if, if Usenet could have been graphical, that one would have been highlighted in flames. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now, were we mainly on? Were you strategic, or uh, where would I guess it was just that one little clump that? Uh, I, I don't even know that. It, could you name the actual full name of those Usenet groups? Well, strategic was like, you know, people called sissy pigs. It was, right. Uh, so break down for me the full name if you can. It's my challenge to you, Mark Asher, right now. Wow. Sissy pig. You know, I can almost see it in my head. It's, well, C dot S dot strategy. I can't remember. No, I, can't, <laughs> I can't remember the little hierarchy. I, I mean, think it started as, is it, isn't it comp dot strategy. There's got to be more than that, because it, it was just like some bloated title that, uh, yeah, like I can't believe IBM was in there. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, it was. Well, yeah, that was because, yeah, really, why was IBM in there? Well, because you'd want to, they wanted to differentiate it from consoles, I suppose, right? Or Max, or, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, it's yeah. insane. Uh, yeah. So yeah. now, did we? Uh, so so we we were both post on the in the same news groups, and you and I were both pretty prolific. Uh, right. Did we first meet at an E3? Uh, in person? Yeah. Well, I know. We, I'm sure we emailed before then. Um, I, I vaguely, and I, I I cannot trust my own memory. I'm terrible at m- remembering stuff. But I vaguely remember that maybe the first time I met you was at an E3, and I seem to recall for some reason, here, here's my visual of the first time I met Mark Asher, I seem to recall pulling up, I couldn't have been in my Jeep, because I feel like I might have known you before then, but I seem to recall pulling up, and you're on the side of the sidewalk, and I pick you up from a hotel maybe, and I don't, I don't even know. But for some reason, that's like, that's like what, I, what I have in my mind, is the first time I actually physically met Mark Asher, uh, and I think it was at an E3, like one of the E3s here in L.A., that, that's that's a tough one for me, Tom, because, you know, I mean, I've, I've had so many men pull up and pick me up on the side. <laughs> you know. Well, great. I'm not special. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a few. You were you were a freelancer like me. We both were uh, we both were in that whole scene. Uh, we're both on Usenet. Uh, and do you remember, because I don't remember any of this, how did we come to decide, hey, let's do a website? That's a good question. I somehow I found out that um, CNET, you know, CNET. We both were doing a lot of writing for Game Center. See, right? They were starting up this network of websites, so like affiliate sites, and they were, you know, they were going to pay these people for traffic. They were going to sell ads on the sites and, and pay them a certain amount for traffic. And when I heard about that, I, I just thought, well, this. This sounds like a good idea. I would like to be in on this. So I don't know if I approached you first and said, hey, what about us trying to do something? And then we pitched CNET, or I pitched CNET first and got a positive response and then approached you, but it was something like that. So, yeah, it was just kind of uh, seizing an opportunity that I, that I heard about. You know, I, I didn't know if they would buy it on it, but they, they did, I guess, because they, they liked you and me. So. And part of what I remember being the appeal of that was I had been working, as had you, for so long, basically writing for other people. Uh, right. And I, I just really relished the idea of having 
a place where I could just write what I wanted, when I wanted, in whatever style I wanted. Uh, you know, that, that was just a welcome concept for, for, for me back then. Yeah, and, and it was it was for me too, and um, I I kind of like the sort of breezy style that you can have in in a blog, I guess, which is sort of what a lot of those smaller sites are, are were like. I mean, like Blues News is kind of a blog, you know, it's a news blog, and right. so on. So, and I thought that you and I could do something like that and do something interesting, and you know, and I, I think we did. Unfortunately, the you know the they pulled pulled the plug on us early on. And it was within, like, wasn't it, we were barely going for, like, a couple of weeks or something, right? Like, we, we, got, up, we, we got it running. We uh, relied on the kindness of people who knew tech stuff that we didn't know. To this day, I still don't know anything about how all that stuff is set up on a server or whatnot. Uh, right. Uh, so, so we got this set up. And do you remember, by the way, when Jim Hunt, uh, who posts his Azure ROM, he was so helpful to us, but at one point, the poor guy accidentally deleted all the content on the site. And it might have been even the night before we decided we were going to go live. Do you remember that by any chance? Yeah, that was, like, really freaky. It was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It was just like this, uh, yeah, it was like the universe just sort of slapping you in the face. And I felt so bad for Jim because it was it was an innocent mistake. Uh and and we had enough backup material, and we maybe had to do a couple of articles up real quickly. But I just distinctly remember the night before we go live, Jim saying, uh, I deleted everything, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we go live, and is it, it's a couple of weeks, right? Then CNET announces, hey, we're canceling that program. Well, I think I think we actually got paid for like a month or two. But, ah, okay. you know, the, the thing was, since we were just – getting started our traffic wasn't very high so we, we never made much money from it um but for a reason you and i decided to continue on with it we had some energy uh, we put into it and we we eventually did get really good traffic for a while there you know which and that was where chet picked up for us and we had uh uh chet who's now at valve uh right sort of took care of all the technical stuff and, and kept it running for us uh yeah yeah. Well, you know, it, it became like, yeah, it was it was a pretty simple website. We had a front page with news, which you know, I wrote a lot of that. We and we had the message boards, and then we just had a way of posting little stories, right? So, right. Yeah. So. Uh, now, what happened? So basically, I mean, what what happened? I, I guess, and just see if you agree with me on this. So we got busy doing other things. Uh, for the longest time, the site was only. And I would argue, sort of the case now, was only a message board. Uh, so where did you go? What have you been doing for so long? Mm. Well, you, you know what happens with something like that? Um, it, it becomes a it, – it's very difficult to sustain something like that when you're not getting any kind of money out of it. It really is. I mean, you can have a, a labor of love you can only love for so long. I mean, I'm, I'm just convinced of that. I don't, I don't care how much enthusiasm you have. You know, anything is going to take three, you know, two or three hours a day of work. Uh, most people are, are just going to not be able to sustain that after some point. And that, that's kind of what happened to me. It's like I trying to write that news. It just it took time. You know, I had to do a lot of, you know, read a lot of other sites, try to pull things together, try to, you know, put some kind of spin on it myself. And it, it just got too hard to sustain, so I couldn't do it. Um, in terms of what happened to me after that, well, I continued to do some freelance writing after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a stint at Pop Top. Oh, that's right. You jumped to the other side briefly. 
briefly. It was just a, it was a contract position. Right. It was like a, I was like an associate producer on uh, the uh, Tropico Mucho Macho edition, which was like basically like a Tropico Gold, Tropico, and some uh, the expansion pack. And I, I did I created some new scenarios for it and worked on some. You know, I just kind of pulled things together. So just okay, Mark. Mark, just because it was so much fun to hear once. I want you to say a second time what the name of the product was on which you worked. <laughs> it was Tropico Mucho Macho Edition. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, that that uh, yeah, it was kind of a funny name. So, but I I, I enjoyed that. Um, but it was it was weird though, Tom, um, working for a game company because it was like the quietest place I have ever worked. I mean, we all had our own offices, and people just sort of worked, and it was just so quiet. It was so different from what I'm used to. I thought that game developers, like, ran around shooting Nerf guns at each other and, uh, you know, like, waving manga, anime, comic books, and uh, and, and whatnot. Uh, that that wasn't the case at uh, Pop Top? They, they only do that when the press is visiting. It's, it's all a shame. <laughs> They're all very serious. They're like, you know, consult, looking for 401Ks otherwise, things like that, you know. But they have to act crazy when the press is visiting. <laughs> now, and, and this was in St. Louis where you live, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and you're still in St. Louis. I, yeah, but PopTap is no longer in St. Louis. PopTap no, no longer exists, unfortunately. Right. What game developers are in St. Louis? Uh, that's a good question. There aren't too many. There, uh, there's Simutronics. They are known for the groundbreaking text-based uh, uh, role-playing games, the MMOs like uh, Gemstone. You know, they're uh, still there. They're still in St. Louis. They're still there, and they still have a viable product. Um, yeah, they're they're still here. Um, I really didn't think you'd be able to think of anything. I thought I was going to stymie you there. Well done. Okay. Tom, Tom, Simutronics. They. Uh, they're doing the, the tool, they did the tools in the engine or something like that for uh, the upcoming um, Bioware Star Wars MMO. What? Get out of here. No, no. But Bioware licensed that from them. I forget. It's called the Hero Engine. Yeah. So part of the Star Wars MMO is coming out of St. Louis, Missouri. Yes, from Simutronics. Yeah, the engine. Holy cats. Okay. I didn't know that. Now, what did, now that you're not, uh, what, what are you doing these days? Well, okay, that's that's a little bit embarrassing right now. Right now, I'm unemployed. I got laid off uh, some time ago, so I'm just sort of collecting unemployment right now. Oh, that sucks. Oh, well, it's, it's all right. I'm also doing uh, a little bit of stringing for a local paper in town, so I write stories. Like I just wrote a story about a a bunch of uh, model train enthusiasts. So, I think that's cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you're you're doing like those those like uh, human interest feature stories. Yeah, I'm thinking, and, and these guys, I'm thinking, no, they're they're geekier than I am. I can, you know, I can look down my nose at these guys. <laughs> I got to say, yeah, those model train guys are total losers. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, yeah. I don't, have you ever seen a movie called The Station Agent? By the way. No, I haven't. Okay, that's uh, you, you should you should probably rent that sometime. It's partly about uh, like train enthusiasts, uh, and it paints them in a very good light, though. It's very kind to them. Um, okay. So uh, you're, you're doing some writing. Do you ever – I know for a bit you were doing – so Crispy Gamer died, but I know you were doing some writing about MMOs for them. Uh, is, is it correct to say that you are no longer much of a gamer 
because of MMOs, that you're one of those guys who slipped into one genre and it basically killed all other gaming for you. Is that accurate? That's that's fairly accurate, yeah. I mean, I I keep, like, well, for instance, like with the, the, the Christmas Steam sales, I bought a few games, uh, like Torchlight, I you know, which is sort of a theme for tonight because it's kind of like a Diablo game. Mm-hmm. And I played it for like about ten minutes and uh, and I just sort of lost interest. And I also, I... I Brought, uh, bought the uh, Stalker game, and I haven't even downloaded it yet. So, I don't know. I and is it is uh, it I, just because you're you're bag right now? Like, do you still play WoW? I still play World of Warcraft. Yeah. Okay, so that's it's because like you, you look at something like Stalker or Torchlight, and you're like, yeah, those are cool, but I would rather play something that I already know and what that's I know a lot of it. as well. Yeah, that's a lot of it. I mean, I also bought uh, one of the Total War games that I hadn't played, which you know, I mean, I'm I'm interested in that. Take me two hours just to get into this game. You know, right. I could, I, I could be, you know, I could be raiding Anixia or something like that. So. <laughs> uh, now, are are you? You're because I, I recall a couple of times running into you in WoW when I was strictly a dabbler, and uh, like you, you're like a, so you're like a. Are you in a guild and all that stuff? Like you're a serious player? I'm, I'm no, I'm not quite as serious as a lot of these guild guys. Like I know a lot of the guys in quarter to three are really into the raiding scene. And they talk about they throw these these numbers out and these things out, and I'm thinking, wow, these guys know more about it than I do, which is true. I do a lot of soloing. It's only with like the recent um, edition of the the rant, being some of that content for the first time. So, right now, you cut off a little bit. The recent edition of the what content? The uh, the, the Blizzard put in a tool called a random a random dungeon finder. Oh. And it's basically, it's for five-man dungeons, but it makes it very simple to, to get into a group. Right. I just queue up for it, and it pops you in. So uh, Now, so the question I want to ask you, Mark, is why don't you instead play a better MMO? Why? Well, I don't know if there is a better MMO. Oh, touche. All right. <laughs> you didn't take the bait. Oh. Okay. I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I probably should give... Uh, your favorite MMO, Lord of the Rings, a better try. I, I, I think that, but I'm not sure what else. I mean, I like Warhammer quite a bit, but it's not really quite as good as, as World of Warcraft. Conan, uh, the Conan game was okay. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know if that there's another MMO that I would prefer to play. Well, but isn't so much of that momentum? Like, like, like I have so much momentum built up with Lord of the Rings Online that it, it would be really hard for me to go over to World of Warcraft. And I, I think it it has less to do with the inherent quality of the product, and and I think more to do with how invested you are. Like, would you agree with that? Or yeah, there's 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 certainly that. But I mean, Blizzard has done a really good job with World of Warcraft with refining things. I mean. You know, they well, like just with this latest patch, for example, um, they put a when you look at your your um, your bags, mm-hmm. they have highlighted quest items. Now that isn't quite as good. Warhammer came up with a nice little system. They basically put quest items in a separate little bag. So mm-hmm. if, you want, if you know you need a quest item, you just look in that bag and it's there. So World of Warcraft isn't quite there, but you know they're a little bit step closer. Now I can just at a glance see which I see an item and go, oh, yeah, that must be a quest item because it's got a little highlight ring around it. Right. So they continually do things like that. So, Well, let me ask you this, Mark Asher. Does World of Warcraft have a Balrog? 
Yeah, see, I think I just trumped you right there. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to do that. I pulled out the ball. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I do. I do have to confess, though, Mark. A lot of my affection for Lord of the Rings Online is strictly a matter of of timing. As I was really getting getting into Lord of the Rings Online or Lord of the Rings stuff, uh, I was trying that MMO and just just things clicked. I I I, uh, I love the game, but I'm not sure it's necessarily like qualitatively superior to wow or, or certain other games uh it's it's different i mean but when you play it do you do you do you solo a lot or do you play it with other other players a lot uh well i don't play it mainly i i would if i had time but i mainly don't have time to play it recreationally but so when i do play it recreationally i will do a little of both uh i really enjoy soloing and they've taken great pains to make it solo friendly uh but there is a dynamic, and I'm sure you know this from WoW, there's a dynamic you get with groups that, you know, you can't really experience the full potential of the game until you get into that group dynamic and you get a good group going. Uh, and, and I think many MMOs uh, do that, and that's especially true, I, I think, with Lord of the Rings Online, and I imagine it's also true with WoW. Well, yeah, and I, it's kind of, kind of an odd thing with WoW in that they, you know, Blizzard really does try to make it solo-friendly, friendly but it it is more fun when you play with a group of people that you know and when you take a game and you make it solo friendly what you do is you remove the need to play with the group so you know it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way so uh, blizzard has done a really good job of streamlining the game i mean they've made it so that everything is fast now you get through things pretty easily the only difficult things now are the uh, like 10 and 25 man raids, which I don't do, um, and I know some of, the, some of the people in quarter three do those. They're the hardcore WoW players, but, but not me. And you know, I do a lot of the PvP, a lot of the battlegrounds. But those are, you know, you just get in and you play, and you win or you lose. And I don't know, people yell at you a little bit sometimes, but it's okay. Why do people yell at you? I don't know. They just uh, if if your side is losing, people crying. Oh, you're all a bunch of bads. That's that's what they say. That's like the new slang. You're you're, you're a bunch of bads. B a d s bads. Yeah, bads. You're a bunch of bads. Yeah. Oh, you you bads suck. <laughs> I I got in the closest I've ever been to an online fist fight uh, maybe two nights ago in a a PlayStation Three shooter called Mag, and in Mag. People are grouped into eight-man. It's a, it's a, it's like a battlefield-style modern military shooter, and people are grouped into eight-man squads. And one of those eight players is randomly designated the squad leader. And as the squad leader, he gets to put the marker on the map that basically tells the squad, hey, if you fight here, you get an experience point bonus. So you can ignore that if you want, but if you do what the guy thinks you should do, you get an experience point bonus. Uh, and mostly the system works very well. But the other night I was playing... And I got to be squad leader, and I put the little destination marker on what I felt was our our best objective, which was this this uh, missile that if you make sure it's repaired, the other guys can't spawn there. If they break it, they can spawn closer. And I did that, and the other guy, another guy on the squad, was like, "Hey, everyone, kick the leader! Every, everyone, vote to kick the leader!" You know, he was doing that thing into his microphone. And I was like, dude, what, we need to stop the other team from spawning. What are you doing? And he was like, shut up, man. You're a, you're a fucker. Yeah, I mean, and he was like some old deep voice dude. And I couldn't believe 
And and what amazed me about it, Mark, sorry to go on a tangent here, but, but what amazed me about it was I totally started responding to this guy at the same level. I started saying things to him, and, and God helped me for doing this. I said, you should go play Modern Warfare 2. I mean, I was doing things like that. I stopped just short of, like, calling him a fag or whatever kids do these days. I couldn't believe how dragged into the mud I got by this one guy being a jerk. Uh, I actually said to a guy, go play Modern Warfare 2. Uh, so, uh, Tom. I know, I know. I was not proud of myself. And so here's the weird thing. And I hope this guy isn't listening because I don't want him to know that he got the better of me. By the time that match was over, and he was making fun of my score too, he was saying things like, Hey, look at how many kills to death this guy has. We should kick him. So by the time the, the round was over, like, my shoulders were sore. I was, like, I was like so tense playing with this guy. It was just such an unpleasant experience. Uh, so I hope he's not listening because I don't want him to know he got, he got the better of me. Uh, but when you get called uh, bads or bad, does it bother you? You don't care. Do you ever get wrapped up in war, World of Warcraft like that, like I just did with Mag? Well, yeah, I was I was doing a ten man raid, which I don't do. It was like the first one I've done actually, and I was playing my warlock, and some other warlock there was like saying, "Oh, this guy's bad. He's a bad warlock." And I'm thinking, "Well, I'm a warlock. I'm supposed to be." Bad, all right? He might have been complimenting you. My, you know, my DPS wasn't high enough. It's like, well, I'm trying the best I can. I'm like, you know, I think I'm pushing the right buttons. Come on, come on, dude. You know, so. Now, did you guys did you guys trade insults? Did you tell him to go play uh, you know EverQuest? No. What what happened was our 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 group wiped, and then a couple of guys you know I think they they disconnected accidentally. So we're just all standing around, and that kind of promoted that kind of chatter. And you know, and and, and you know, there's all these add-ons, uh, third-party add-ons in World of Warcraft, and they have like uh, you know DPS meters, so people look at you know what your oh. second is. Yeah, it's like. It's like it's like someone can like look at you while you're fully clothed and, and know like how large your penis is. It's very disconcerting. <laughs> well, that's exactly what the deal was with my death kill ratio uh, in Mag. The other guy yeah. was, and I was that, like, that, "How dare you?" So what if I suck at the game? Private stuff, man. Right. <laughs> uh, so you're still in the WoW. That's still. Uh, is there anything? So you're not going to play this total? Which total war did you get, by the way? Uh, I think I got Rome. It was, you know, it was, I, I, I went for these, like, Steam sales that were, like, $2.00. Ah, right. Cents. They were kind of hard to resist, you know, so. Right. Uh, now, uh, uh, what, so what, uh, I want to I give you a hard time about something, and, and just for people listening, I cleared this with Mark before we started. Uh, you know pretty much diddly about console games, but what you do know you know from your children, basically watching over their shoulders what they play. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's essentially correct. Although I will I will amend that a little bit. I played you know a lot of Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Okay. Oh, good lord, please! That we're, we're not we're talking in the last twenty years. Like you mean those like those like consoles that, where the games come on discs or something? So, <laughs> I mean, I know cartridges, so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you okay? You do not have so much as a PlayStation Two. Am I correct? My kids have a, my kids have everything. I have nothing. Right. Uh, so you do you ever try to play the games that they're playing, or you just sort of watch them and you're like, yeah, those console games are for kids. I think I've lost you. 
you don't hear me anymore? Uh, now I hear you. Yes, now I hear you. Okay. Yeah, no, I um, it's not that I think that they're for, those games are for kids. They just, for whatever reason, they don't they don't interest me all that much. I mean, you know, on the console side, there's really not a lot of there aren't that many strategy games. I mean, oh good lord, Mark Asher, ugh, I'm doing a facepalm right now. By the way, I don't know if you could. Well, okay, but I mean, okay, so if you get away from the handhelds, are there that many strategy games? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I, I did a whole podcast with uh, with Troy T. Goodfellow uh, on basically my premise was if you are a strategy gamer, you need a console system. And, yeah, that could that also does apply to, to handhelds. But, uh, well, it's not just that there are strategy games on console systems, Mark. It's And I know that you'll understand this. It's that so much game development has has realized that the money is in console systems and has jumped over there. So a lot of cool strategy stuff is on consoles as, as well. Um, I know I know the big development dollars are, are on the console side now. I realize that, you know. Blizzard sort of being an exception, um, but I, I mean, yeah, I guess there's some good. Well, here's another thing, and this this is completely irrational on my part, but I, I hate that anime look. I don't like games that have the anime look. So. <laughs> Those big, you know, weepy eyes. I, I just, oh, Mark Asher, Mark Asher, you are so 2002. <laughs> you're being kind there, more like you know 1992. Probably, but okay. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, I, I think of the people in this room right now on this podcast, only one of us has, has actually dated a Wiccan, and I'm pretty sure it's not me. Yeah, I did, I did date a Wiccan. Yeah, it was now, just, what is a Wiccan? Explain to everyone what a Wiccan is. Well, I think a Wiccan is, uh, that, that's just a, a, a nice term that was invented for people who think of themselves as witches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I dated a woman. Uh, I met her through one of these online dating things. It was the only time I ever actually paid money for an online service. It was Yahoo Personals. I had that for like two months. And I met her that way. And she, was, she struck me as very intelligent. So we we met. And, you know, after a couple of dates, she starts talking to me about these things. And, yeah, it turns out that she is she's a, she was a practicing witch. Oh, this wasn't like in her profile or anything. This was only oh no, 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 no. okay. No. <laughs> she was like a stealth Wiccan. That's even better. Yeah, yeah, I know. So yeah, and so it's like I didn't really know quite what to think about that, but uh, you know, it sort of it, it does kind of present some interesting dating problems. It's like you you don't you know the, the dating handbooks don't talk about these things, but it's like uh, you know so like our. Are we taking my car or your broomstick? Oh, Mark! Right, let me get a let me get, let me get a rim shot there. <laughs> uh, so, it, it, seriously though, does did dating this woman did her wickedness manifest itself in any meaningful way other than her having some some slightly misguided New Agey spiritual predilections? Uh, let's see. Um, well. I, well, okay, yeah, we were we were up in my room one night, okay. <laughs> I love the way you say that. By the way, it makes it sound like uh, like your dorm in college. <laughs> yeah, well, they're up in your room one night. Go on. Yeah, well, we were just watching a movie on TV, so it was wasn't anything too intense going on. Um, she she already told me. Um, I think that maybe even that same night or maybe a previous date that she she told me that the next man she was going to have sex with she was going to marry. And I felt like saying, 
congratulations for coming up with the most effective form of birth control ever. So, <laughs> so now, anyway, so so we're up there, and, and I live in St. Louis, which is an urban area, um, but I, I do live pretty close to Forest Park, and all of a sudden, an owl started hooting. It was like, it was like I, I never, this is the only time an owl's ever hooted near my house. It was very strange. So she goes over and looks out the window, and, and I go over, and yeah, we can see across the street, there's this big horned owl, like, sitting there, staring at us. And she listens to it hoot for a while, and then she says, I have to go. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know what that owl said to you, because I don't speak owl, but uh, okay. So... And as, as it turns out, she told me later, and this is sort of like post-breakup, that the owl told her she had to leave to go be with another man. She had met this other man, uh, like, in the past couple of weeks, and he was a warlock. So the owl was telling her that she was wrong being with me. She needed to go see this other man. So she ended up breaking up with me. I mean, I an owl... I'll break up the relationship, Tom. I, wow. Yeah. That, yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> that's something else. Stupid owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Yeah, stupid owl, yeah. So, I, you know, where's my Red Rider BB gun when I need it? <laughs> uh, so let's see. I dated a Buddhist once, uh, and the only thing I remember distinct about her, and I'm not even sure, this doesn't really relate to her being a Buddhist, I'm not even sure why I'm thinking of this. So I'm in the car with the Buddhist one. She had a much nicer car than me, so we would take her car, and she would let me drive, and that was always kind of cool. She had a little sporty, I don't know cars, I don't even know what it was. It was some little sporty car. So we're in it one night, and I'm driving, and the Buddhist is in the passenger seat, and I'm in the driver's seat. And, uh, you know, the rearview mirror, there's cars behind us, and their their lights are shining in the rearview mirror. So I reach up and tick that little thing that puts the rearview mirror at an angle. You know that thing? Right, that, yeah. yeah. So I reach up and take that, and she's like, what is that? I was like, well, that's the rearview mirror. She's like, what does that do? How does that work? How did you know about that? <laughs> this has been her car for, uh, I guess, years. And I guess because she was so uh, <laughs> into spiritual pursuits and Buddhism, she didn't know how the rearview mirror thing worked on her car. Actually, I thought that was actually very endearing. Uh, I, I'm sort of saying that like it's a like I'm making fun of how ditzy she is, but uh, that was very endearing. Well, that, that is kind of cute. I mean, she was just sort of into letting the world be what it was going to be. You know, exactly. Why, why, yeah. why adjust the mirror? You know, why adjust the mirror? Why be all analytical about a car works? Uh, how that happens? And, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, what kind of car do you drive, Mark Asher? I have um, uh, Saturn. Hmm. What color? It is red. Does it have the little thing on the mirror? Because if you need me to come over and explain how that works to you, I can do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it does. I, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of an older car, so yeah, but it's, it still works. No, I, I think I'm good on that time. So, so do, you, do you remember the Jeep? Like, do you remember my Jeep from E3? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, every every time I come out to LA, uh, you know, you, you know, well, not every time, but several times, you'd pick me up in it from uh, LAX. So that was cool. And now that Jeep, by the way, I still have. And I just spent, I almost actually, I'm glad you delayed uh, our recording today because I was almost worried I was going to have to cancel because I spent all day running around today because of my effing Jeep. 
So here's the deal with the Jeep. For the longest time, the Jeep is not a practical car to have in Los Angeles. It gets 11 miles to the gallon. It's not a good way to get around. But I love having the Jeep. I love the Jeep. It's up on the big tires. I, I, I like being able to put the top down when it's warm. I like taking the doors off. I like taking the doors off and putting the top up so it looks like a command center Jeep. Um, but for the longest time, I've instead been driving a more practical car, but I kept the Jeep as well. So the Jeep was just parked out in front of my house. I go out yesterday, and the Jeep is gone. And I'm like, did someone freaking steal my Jeep? So I call the police, and they're like, oh, no, it just got towed because your registration has expired. So, which, of course, I kind of knew. The Jeep was not going to – here in California, we have to pass smog tests for our cars before we get the registration. And the Jeep was going to need work done for that. But, it, you know, I didn't drive it enough to deal with that, so I just let the registration lapse. And apparently, if your registration is canceled, you can't be parked on the street. So – what I did today, you know, starting this morning, I went to the DMV. I was in line there for an hour. And then you have to go from the DMV and take paperwork to the uh, police station to get a release form. And then you have to go to the towing yard. And because the Jeep wouldn't start, it didn't run, I had to get AAA to go pick it up. So I spent basically the day running around chasing that, that stupid uh, Jeep. Um, uh, and you can hear my cat's very upset about that. Uh, so, but I still have the Jeep, and I, I love that thing. And, uh, you know, I finally got it dropped off at a mechanic, and it'll get fixed and certified and smog checked and, and whatnot. So next time you come to L.A., uh, I can pick you up in the Jeep again. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's good. So, you know, I actually have a similar story to that. Um, back before I lost my job, I was I, I parked my car in the street also. And one morning I was getting ready for work. And I was almost ready to walk out the door, and I glanced out the front window, and I saw my car moving by itself. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, that's not right. <laughs> and then, so I, I hold on real quick, Mark. Out. Hold that thought because I want to say I once got out of my car and did not set the parking brake. And I walked up. I was just walking up to drop something off at somebody's front door. I walked up and put it there. And I remember turning around and seeing my car rolling down the street. And having that same kind of thought, well, that's not right. There's a cognitive dissonance seeing your car in motion from the outside. That's not something you normally see. <laughs> I know, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. That, that's a that's not right moment. So, so All right, so you, so you see your car moving. You're like, that's not right. That's not right. So I rushed to the window thinking, well, you know, I need a closer look at this. Uh, <laughs> it's a strange phenomenon, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, sure enough, it's being towed by a tow truck, and there's a police car out there. And I'm thinking, oh, for God's sake! So anyway, I called, and it turned. This was a car that my ex and I had together, and I basically inherited. Uh, and there, she'd gotten a bunch of parking tickets on it and never paid them. So <laughs> it, was, it was like a blow from the past, you know. It was like a, she, she was still taking a roundhouse, you know. It just took like months to, to land. It's one of those attacks with like a long cool down period that takes a yeah. while to kick in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, super long cool down. <laughs> she she critted me really hard. So. <laughs> well, now, Mark, after all this, I can't believe that you want to talk about when it comes down to okay, what, what game does Mark Asher want to talk about? Why on earth would you pick Diablo? Because Diablo was so interesting to me, and, and because it was kind of a, it was it was a bit of a turning point game for for me in some ways, and the way I felt about games, and it was also kind of like a I think a real turning point for Blizzard too. So, um, so I think that's really interesting, and it was also I think 
I think it had an impact on Westwood as well. So, How so? Excuse me? How so? Well, I, I think because Blizzard and Westwood, they were like these two companies that were sort of paired together. Uh, they're both basically RTS companies, you know. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Command and & Conquer and Warcraft 2 came out within a month or two of each other, and both were sensational hits. And, and, and both those games really kind of turned the PC gaming world on, on its head. I mean, not only did they sell a lot of copies, and there's a lot of enthusiasm for playing them, but so many developers love those games, too, like Brian Reynolds. Uh, even Sid Meier talked about playing uh, those games with his kids and liking them, and you know, he wanted to try to do something with real-time strategy. So, you know, we saw all, I mean, you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just game companies trying to cash in on RTS. It was developers playing what to them was kind of a new type of game and really digging it and getting excited about the possibilities. So, um, so I think that the, those were very seminal games back in the day. Mm-hmm. And Blizzard and, and Westwood were both at the forefront. And at the time, Blizzard was maybe a bit of a one-trick pony. I mean. Rock and Roll Racing, Lost Vikings, Lost Vikings, notwithstanding. I mean, but they weren't doing those kind of games anymore. I mean, they did Warcraft, and then they did, they did Warcraft 2. And so when Diablo was was getting ready to come out, that was something kind of new for them. Mm-hmm. And this was back when we, we didn't get the kind of... 24-7 coverage of games like we get now. So we were still mostly reading about upcoming games in the magazines, and the chatter on the Internet, where it happened, you know, it was like on Usenet or CompuServe, and it was still a small population of people doing that kind of uh, talking, and it was mostly talking about games that were out. So Diablo was a little bit of a... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a dark horse, but we didn't know as much about it until it until it came out the way we know about games now. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, it was a little bit of a risk for Blizzard. They, they didn't know how it was going to be received. And, I mean, yeah, you can, you can say it's based on NetHack and those other types of games, but, you know, these are... ASCII-based games, and there's 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 no guarantee that those games are going to be popular. There's really, you know. So it was a little bit of a risk for them. And the fact that it launched and was so successful, it, it was, Blizzard was already on the map as, as, as a really solid developer, but it really kind of put them in, in a new league, I think. You know, Now they had two distinct IPs, and they, you know, and... and one was RTS and one was this action RPG. So I, I really think that that made a lot towards making them what they are right now. now and also, you, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, well, I want to ask, do you remember, what I want to ask is, do you remember when you first discovered Diablo yourself? Like the first time you booted it up and played it and what you thought? Now, that's what I want to ask you. But first, I have to take a musical break because my cat is driving me crazy. So I'm going to go let him out. This will take me all of 15 seconds. So that's the question I'll ask you when I come back and enjoy some music for 15 seconds, and I'll be right back. Okay.
Okay, and we're back. <laughs> Sorry about that. I think that's the only time that the cat has been so annoying he's interrupted a podcast. Uh, so, so do you remember when you first played it? Like, do you remember the first time you sat down and, and you were like, whoa, look at this? Oh, yeah, it's very distinct. I mean, Blizzard released a demo of the game before it was out. Oh. They, they released a two-level demo. Um, and I remember, yeah, I remember sitting down and playing that demo and just being completely knocked out. I mean, from the very start, that, that guitar music, that kind of yes. haunting guitar music, all the way down to that uncredited Sean Connery voiceover work, you know. So. <laughs> That's right. Was that Kane? No. Who was the... That was Kane, yes. yes. That Kane, yes. So. Now, is it Sean Connery or Jimmy Stewart? Can you? And, no, it's uncredited, so we just we never know. <laughs> and can you give us a line? Can you give us a line reading? Um, all I really remember is a stay a while and listen, but I can't really do the Sean Connery. Oh come on! I think it's a Jimmy. Is it a Sean Connery or Jimmy Stewart? I think it's a Jimmy Stewart. Stay a while and listen. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Uh, and what was in the demo? So there was obviously the town, and uh, could you fight any of the bosses? Yeah, because you get down on the second level and you had the butcher. Oh, I, yeah. I remember the first time I opened the door to that little that butcher room, and this big giant fat guy came roaring out at me, and I was like, it was like terrifying. I was like running away from him because I knew I couldn't beat this giant thing, you know. So it was really, it was really, it I, it surprised me the way that 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 uh, had an effect on me. Um, Later on, after the game was released and, you know, I leveled the character and became more powerful, I, I, I eventually went back down and opened the door to the butcher's room, and I just, like, bitch-slapped him to death with my pair of hands. <laughs> Give him the what for, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what you get for scaring me. So. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's, it's funny, though, because they released this two-level demo, and, like, within a week it was hacked, and two more levels were revealed. Ah, but if you got if you got to the skeleton king, it would crash the demo. And Blizzard was really cool about it. I mean, I remember they posted a message somewhere saying, "Okay, yeah, we know it's hacked, and you know we're a little bit surprised, but that's okay. You know, just remember that it'll it will crash if the skeleton king comes." They didn't they didn't try to keep people from playing the hacked demo or anything. I must have played the demo like thirty five or forty hours. That's how much I liked it. Whoa! Wow! And could you level up in the demo? Yes. Yes. And was it just one class, or were there were there multiple classes you could choose? You know, I don't really I, that I do not remember. Okay. So. Uh, then, uh, go ahead. And then the game came out, mm -hmm. and it was just really kind of amazing. I mean, I thought that the you know, this may be the the only Blizzard game they've ever released where you could argue that the graphics were close to cutting edge. I don't know if they exactly were, but. They, they look so so great for a dungeon crawl. I mean, they looked kind of realistic, and the animations were great. And um, so, I mean, not, not Diablo 2, of course, you know, that was low res. That was 640 by 320 or whatever, um, when other games were already at 1024. So that was kind of weird for Diablo 2. But Diablo was, you know, kind of pretty close to cutting edge, I think. And it just looks so amazing and so good. Well, I did, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a great example of... Where it's not necessarily the graphics engine that was part of it, but just the the artwork and the animation and the atmosphere and and like you were saying the music. I mean, it had this this really moody sense of place uh, that was just so carefully crafted. I thought uh, and so effective. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was Tristram, and it was just uh, this kind of 
you know, this this haunted town that was basically dead. Not not many people were left, and it was, yeah, it was very effective. It was possessed by demons and monsters, and you know, as a hero, you had to go down and try to clean things up. So it was. Now, before Diablo, did you have because of course Diablo comes from. Uh, it has roots in, in games like NetHack and Angband. Uh, did you have a background with those kind of games? Were you into those? No, I never had played those. So, so I don't know how I don't know how that changed my perception of Diablo. So, it's hard to say. Were you an RPG guy? Because I don't think I remember this about you. I don't know if you were into RPGs. Um, I'm trying to think what RPGs were around before Diablo. I mean, I know there were some. Well, it would have been all those like Bard's Tale and Wizard. No, I, I was mostly a strategy gamer. So, right. yeah. Um, so yeah. So Diablo, maybe that was yeah. That that may have been my introduction to RPG stuff. Although, if you had gone on Usenet into the RPG group, there was always a, a hot debate going on there. Oh yeah. It was like, don't even talk about Diablo in this group. It is not. An RPG. <laughs> Take your Diablo and go to action games. So, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, Mark. The in a way, I want to say the violence that Blizzard has done to RPGs as a genre with Diablo and with World of Warcraft. Uh, but that's just from a purist perspective. Uh, they have done so much to basically expand the definition to incredibly commercially successful games like Diablo and World of Warcraft. Uh, you know, there's still companies like BioWare doing traditional RPGs, but what Blizzard has done, which some people would argue gets away from being actual RPGs, uh, has just been phenomenal uh, as far as affecting the genre. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. There's there's no doubt about that. I mean, and I don't know if Blizzard ever. I don't. I don't. I have no idea what they call Diablo. I mean, I don't know if they called it an RPG or not. They, they may have called it an action RPG or something, but you know. I, I don't think, come on, you can't seriously, you don't, like, you would you would characterize Diablo as an RPG, yes? Well, I mean, yeah, because I think of RPGs as, like, the way I used to play Dungeons & Dragons, which is, you know, you create a character, and you, you know, run around, and you, you know, kill monsters, and level up, and get... We lost you again. Come in. Come in. Here. There you are. Okay, now I hear you. So you were saying you think of RPGs as things where you run around, you kill monsters, you level up. Yeah, kind of, you know, kind of like the Monty Hall way of playing Dungeons & Dragons, I guess. So, so yeah, so Diablo works for me. And, I mean, you know, if you talk about role-playing, I mean, there's really no reason why you can't even argue that Doom is a role-playing game, right? You know, you're this marine on Mars. No, I'm not going to go there with you. Sorry. Yeah, There's no, you know, the Doom Marine doesn't have stats. So there. But he has he has a health bar. Yeah, but he doesn't have stats. What's his dexterity? If you can tell me his dexterity, I'll believe it's an RPG. <laughs> He's got a rocket launcher. He doesn't need to worry about dexterity. <laughs> uh, so did you uh, play Diablo much multiplayer? And actually, here's a question. I know Diablo 2 really big on multiplayer. Was Diablo 1 a multiplayer game as well? Surely it was. Oh yeah, and this was okay. like this is this was a really key thing about Diablo and Blizzard. It launched Battle.net. Ah. That was the birth of Battle.net. Was the first Diablo? Right, yeah. I mean, before before, you know, with with Warcraft, Warcraft only offered modem play. Warcraft 2, I think probably offered the same thing, 
but at that time, Cali was out, which spoofed a LAN connection over the Internet. Remember that? I do. I remember playing Descent over Cali. Absolutely. Right. De- Descent was the big big thing that launched Cali, uh, and then um, and then both Command & Conquer and Warcraft 2 worked over Cali. So that's how I played Command & Conquer and Warcraft 2. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really loved Command & Conquer. That was my favorite RTS game. I preferred that over Warcraft 2. Uh, but, yeah, so, so when... Diablo came out, that's when Blizzard launched Battle.net. So that was like, in some ways, uh, that really popularized internet gaming, I think. I mean, you know, it it had gone on before, but now all of a sudden, there's this built-in service. I think it launched like a month after the game. Um, And that's how I really played Diablo. And what was really cool about playing the multiplayer Diablo is, you could create your own game, go in and play solo. And you could like lock it, or I think you could like it. I, I'm saying that. I, I, I don't really know now. But I know people could join also if it was unlocked. But here's the thing. It really upped the challenge because in the original Diablo, unlike Diablo 2, if you'd be down in a dungeon and you would die, you would have to go back and retrieve your corpse. Oh, yeah. Gear. Otherwise, you'd lose your gear. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it... it it, this led to like this one really very epic uh, uh, Sunday afternoon. I think it was a Sunday. Uh, I played with a lot of CompuServe gamers. This is back when I was very active on CompuServe. I was sort of transitioning between CompuServe and uh, um, you know the internet groups back then. Um, so there were a lot of CompuServe gamers, and I guess I don't know if we had a guild or not, but it was sort of like that. And these guys were playing on Hell difficulty, and they like. A bunch of them died down in this uh, Diablo dungeon uh, with, like, all these... Remember those harpy things that, like, floated around and, you know... Sure, the, yeah. Uh, the sexy chicks. And they had, like, a magic attack, and it was like... They were, like, all bunched near the stairs. And the way it worked with Diablo, when you wanted to go into a level, you would... As soon as you went into the level, you would spawn right on the staircase. So there, there were, like, dozens of them right there, and they'd immediately attack... And they kept killing these guys. I remember I got, I got like, an email saying, oh, we're going to lose all our stuff. You know, there's, like, a bunch of them. It was, like, a big thing. Like, there were, like, like you know, multiple people involved. And everyone's trying to think, how can we, get, how can we, how can we beat these and get, get their gear back for them? And eventually what happened was they, got, they brought in some stranger, some outsider, who had, had totally, was totally hacked. He had, like, uh, Duped gear, you know. Remember that was another problem with Diablo. There was all kinds of duping going on, but this guy had like the total best gear. So finally, and he died a few times. Copies of his gear, so he just put on like a, you know, like Superman changing into a, you know, like a, <laughs> a, an unsoiled uniform or something. So um, eventually, they, they beat enough of these back that they recovered their bodies. But it took hours. It was like really interesting. So. And they had to recruit, like, he's like the man with no name from a Sergio Leone movie or a Western or something. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, did you, uh, did you, did your affection for Diablo also transfer to Diablo 2? Did you feel as strongly about that? Or did well, you burn I, out on I, Diablo? I love Diablo 2. It wasn't, I don't think it, it didn't, well, yeah, it didn't have quite the same impact because it wasn't quite as new. I mean, it was it was a it was an improved game in most ways, I think. But you know, it just wasn't this brand new, fresh experience the way Diablo was. Like I said, Diablo 
almost came out of nowhere. I remember reading like one preview for it, and of course, it, you know, since I hadn't played a game like that before, the preview didn't really tune me for what to expect. So when I did finally play it, I was just kind of knocked out. So, did you get to do much writing? Do you know about Diablo or Diablo Two? Like, do you remember if you ever reviewed either game or did any strategy? I, I reviewed the Diablo Two expansion for CGW. Mm-hmm. I didn't do. I didn't review the game, but I, I did review the expansion, which was a really good expansion. Um, in fact, yeah, I thought I thought that was really a, an excellent expansion that they did for that. Um, and have you uh, revisited Diablo Two lately? Because I know you know it's still going strong. Uh, as a matter of fact, they reset the ladder recently. I, I believe there was even a, a recent patch. I know, there was, which is really commendable of Blizzard to continue to support that game. So that, that's kind of cool of them. But, uh, no, I haven't revisited. I've been busy playing World of Warcraft. It's like, that, it's, it's like that, that John Lennon song, Life is what happens when the World of Warcraft servers are down, right? So I'm not familiar with that John Lennon song, but that's, that was very prescient of him to write that song. <laughs> yeah, I know. How, how did he know? He was a genius. So. The gen- genius just knows. Uh, well, you mentioned, uh, I know of at least one Diablo clone that you have purchased, if not played. Uh, tell me what Diablo clones you were familiar with. Oh, there was, there was one that was put out, I think it was by Take-Two, and it was from some French company. Um, it was actually kind of cool, but what the heck is the name of that game? Take-Two by a French company? Was it a fantasy thing? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a Diablo clone type of thing. It was sort of 3D and... Um, it has some cool little touches. One of the weird things about it is, is that your character aged, so by the end of the game he'd like be old. So he actually, by the end of the game he'd be less powerful. It was really kind of odd, I thought. So it's like, well, I don't want to play a game where I get old and feeble. What's up with that? <laughs> I'll be doing that in real life. I don't need yeah, that. I'm, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking early retirement. I'm like quitting halfway through here. So yeah. <laughs> Well, I got to say, Mark. So you mentioned that that aging thing, and you talk about those guys fighting to retrieve their corpses. I kind of miss games that weren't afraid to punish you. Uh, you, you know, where the stakes are really high. Uh, so often, the mandate in a video game design is not to frustrate the player. You know, you got to carefully walk that line. But but hearing you talk about that story makes me miss frustration sometimes in video games. And it's easy for me to say that. I might have felt differently if I was, had spent an entire Sunday trying to get my body back from those harpies. Uh, but I, I, I kind of have uh, I'm looking with rose through rose-colored lenses at those days of frustration like that. I, I kind of miss that sort of thing. No, I, I do too, and I don't really know what the answer is because it's so difficult. Because when you do get frustrated, it it's it's difficult. It, it makes you want to quit, and I know it probably does make a lot of a lot of players quit, so it, it drives business away. So I completely understand why developers want to try to make it a a, a game where everyone wins. Yeah. It just makes sense. But, yeah, it, it means a little bit more when you risk something to win, and there's no doubt about that. So, uh, Have you played, and I know the answer to this because you don't have a PlayStation 3, uh, but I'm going to ask you anyway, have you played Demon's Souls? No. No, that that has a that that's a game that's not afraid to be punishing, to be difficult. Uh, yeah, but I, it's, a, it's a single player game, though, isn't it? M- 
more or less. It has a weird multiplayer feature where you can get other people to join you, but it's basically built as a single-player game. Uh, but it, it, it recalls some of, you know, you're talking about those guys trying to recover their corpses. It, it recalls, it, it's willing to present you with that level of frustration, I, I think. Uh, it's and another thing, too, Mark, it's Japanese, so <laughs> they can do things completely different over there. Yeah, I know, they're, 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 they're hardcore. I mean, they're, they're like from another country, those people. I, really? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, and maybe that country's from another planet. But but it, it, I think it's easier to pull that off in a single, what is basically a single-player game, because you're playing against the game, okay? Right. It's much more frustrating when you're playing against other players and you feel like you're getting beaten down and, you know, you're saying all more than me, so they have advantages that I don't have, that type right. of thing. So right. that, that's when it gets hard, so... So uh, you you have you have but I don't know if you've looked at uh, Torchlight right? Yes. And and have you spent much time with it? Ten minutes. That's it. Torchlight is to me an example of erring on the wrong side of tor- Torchlight, and I think I need to go in and check the hardcore mode and play at the hardest difficulty. But Torchlight was really cute and really charming, and I could see the appeal, but it just prevent presented no obstacle or challenge to me whatsoever on the level at which I was playing, which I think was just the default level, which might have been a mistake. Uh, but that, that was that, that was a game where I was like, man, I, I want to go play Demon's Souls. You know, I want to play something where there's there's a sense of satisfaction for, for advancing rather than a sense of I'm just fulfilling the inevitable. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. I don't, yeah, I mean, although, I mean, a game like World of Warcraft, for example, yeah, you can just mow down the, the monsters right and left. They've they made it pretty simple, but I guess what you're fighting against in that game is time. It just takes time to right. get to, to the cap. But I don't know. Yeah, Torchlight just didn't grab me. I'll, I'll probably try to play it again sometime. Well, when you do, when you do jump into it, just to take my word for it and check the hard level and the hardcore permadeath. Because I don't think you're gonna. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you should play on baby level. I, but I, I, I don't think it's. I think it's just too a little too glib uh, if you play it at the default difficulty. I feel. Uh, okay, let me throw another couple uh, Diablo clones at you. Uh, did you ever try Titan's Quest? Great thing about it in quarter to three. I, I I almost pulled the trigger on mine in a couple of times, but I just. I mean. I could, Here's the thing, Tom. I, I look at games as time sinks now, and it's like, well, do I really want to like sink my time? You know, sure. a game represents 20 hours or 30 hours, and sometimes it's hard to pull the trigger on it because of that. Well, here's the problem with Titan's Quest. I feel, and I don't know about a problem, but something that I noticed, uh, Titan's Quest doesn't have any like randomized levels, and I missed that. One of the things I really liked about Diablo and Diablo 2 was even if it had no practical implications, was just this feeling that this is a randomly generated thing. It is only mine. Only I am seeing this level. This was not, you know, predetermined. This is just a die roll. Created this layout, and I'm going to have to find my way around it. And, you know, really when it comes down to actually clicking on the mouse, there's no difference between playing Diablo 2 and Titan's Quest. But it just felt like something was missing when I knew that it was built and that it was always going to look like that, and this location would always be here. Uh, no, yeah, I agree, and I think that that's one of the, the real secrets of Diablo. I mean, it's randomized levels, it's randomized loot. I mean, it's yeah. 
yeah, it's just there's always a little bit of freshness there. Yeah, you played it before, but it's just a little bit different every time you play it. So. And the randomized loot is, I mean, it really is like a jackpot. It's like pulling the lever on a jackpot and seeing what's going to pop out. And that's that's huge. And that, Titan's Quest did have that. So it wasn't completely, the idea of randomness wasn't completely out of it. Uh, you, you know, randomized loot, it's like getting a, a box of Cracker Jack. You can't help but want to know what the secret prize is, right? You gotta, exactly. you got to dig down and find that. So, yeah. Okay, let me throw another one at you, and I, I'm betting you dollars to donuts you didn't play it, but it had its own special appeal. But there was a German uh, Diablo clone called Sacred, and uh, Sacred 2 is the one that I played. Did, did you ever see that one? I I read about them on quarter to three, but I never played them. No, so, so that had a really weird approach. It was a, instead of like Diablo or Titan's Quest, which is built basically out of dungeons, even when you're outdoors, they're dungeons, that was a big old huge open world. You could go anywhere. But it did a weird thing where wherever you went, it sort of scaled the level of the creatures to where they were appropriate to you. So you could go wherever you want, and it wasn't necessarily difficult. The whole idea was you finish the storyline, and you go back and you play over and over again. Uh, But the advancement in that was it had this really intricate, uh, detailed character advancement stuff with a lot of little tiny number crunching. And it, it was almost like you had to be an obsessive like strategy game or a war gamer to appreciate it because the advancement was all in the little intricate details of your character. Uh, and it almost didn't matter where you went or what you fought. Uh, it was all about, and I think you could get up to level 200. So there was like all this room for character advancement. And it was all about what are you going to do? How are you going to crunch your numbers? Uh, and I think of it as being distinctly German. Like it's all about the, the intricate machinery, like maybe a Swiss clockmaker or something would do. Uh, so that was that was a Diablo clone I quite liked. Now, does Diablo, d- does what you like about World of Warcraft, uh, how much of that goes back to Diablo? Well, I don't I don't know. I mean, because I came to World of Warcraft after I already was kind of really in love with MMOs. I mean, I you know I briefly dabbled with with Ultima Online, but I played a lot of EverQuest, then I played a lot of um, Dark Age of Camelot, I played a lot of uh, Shadowbane, so these were games that I loved a lot, and so when World of Warcraft came out, I just tried it, and, uh, you know, it's sort of, it's kind of like best breed, I guess, is the way of putting it. I I guess what I wonder about is that that did Diablo introduce to you this idea of uh, leveling up a character and chasing loot, and is that what you like about MMOs? Uh, yeah. I mean, although, yeah, I, I do. I do enjoy the level up process, and I do enjoy uh, chasing loot. I guess. I mean, you know, the, the thing with World of Warcraft is, is you know, the characters I play have been level capped for so long; they're not leveling anymore, so they're just, you know, I chase loot a little bit, um, and I really just basically chase loot so they can PvP better because I kind of like playing Battlegrounds. So I'm, I'm kind of at a mature stage with the word <laughs> so. so you say mature and I can't help but want to sub in the word stagnant. <laughs> it, it is a bit stagnant. No, I, I, I uh, yeah, you, you talked about it. There's just, there's just a lot of forward momentum. Right, right. Yeah, but, the, but there's something else I wanted to talk about with Diablo. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. Diablo... In, in, a, in a sense, kind of launched me at, at, in, into my little sub-career as, as a game writer. So, oh, it did? Yeah. The first thing I ever did, I, I wrote a strategy guide for Age of Empires for GameSpot, okay? But 
you know, that was kind of like a one-shot thing. Um, but there was a... I can't remember the name of the studio now. I should have thought about this before. It just popped in my head. Um, Bob Clarty. Does that name ring a bell with you, Tom? Bob Clarty? Clarty. C-L-A-R-D-Y. And he was a developer with this... Sierra. And they did a Dungeons & Dragons game. And I can't remember. This This is bad. Um... It was it was a weird game because it used uh, it had three parts. It had like a real time battle part. Mm-hmm. It had an empire map map, and it also used like Doom maps for dungeon crawls. Does that make any sense? Oh, is it like a let's say like Knight's Quest or uh, that does sound familiar? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I don't have the name for this anyway. Um, anyway, so the, he he had this game. And I really liked this game because I liked the strategy part of it. And the documentation was really bad. And there were several of us that really liked it. So, you know, I was a tech writer. So I just started rewriting documentation for the game, you know. And I gave it to him. And he liked that so much that we started corresponding and everything because he was a cool guy. And then all of a sudden, at some point after Diablo came out, this was the, the, the little gaming group that Sierra went to and said uh, we want you to do an expansion for Diablo and they did Hellfire. Do you remember that? Just Cyberlore? No, Cyberlore, yeah. I think that it was that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, so yeah, so it was Cyberlore and so once, you know, and he told me they were doing that and you know, and, and Blizzard was not happy about that by the way. Blizzard didn't like that but I guess they didn't have any say in it. So once he told me that I said, well, you know, I'd like to like maybe try to write a preview for something like that. So I turned around and I pitched uh, CNET's Game Center uh, and that was uh, George, uh, what's that guy's name? George Jones. George Jones. Yeah, I wanted to call him George Will, but I know it's not George Will. So. <laughs> That's the basic guy. Right? <laughs> yeah, George Jones. And he said, yeah, that, that, that sounds cool. So I, I you know, I wrote this this uh, 1500 word preview for them and after that I pitched the idea the weekly column, the game spin column. So that kind of like what sort of got me launched. So that was sort of, that was why Diablo was important to me too. Ah, very good. Very good. And I think my first game was a sub-sim, if I'm not mistaken. Like the first thing that I got, and I didn't even get paid to, it was, you remember Chuck Miller? Didn't, did we know Chuck Miller? Yeah. What was, what was this place? So Chuck Miller ran, I think it was, I forget what it was called before the Electronic Roadhouse, but it was before there was even really much of a World Wide Web. It was a downloadable magazine. And where did he come from before then? Is it a magazine or something? Anyway, so I, my first gig was, was reviewing a submarine sim, and I don't know which one it was, uh, in exchange for a free copy of the game for one of these downloadable magazines. Like you would download it off CompuServe and you could page through it on your computer or something. Uh, and those eventually became websites. Uh, this would have been 92? Um, I, I, I was so much more of a whore than you. I, I demanded money. I didn't write without getting money. So <laughs> a, free, a free game wasn't going to do it for me, man. <laughs> but come on, you could keep the game, Mark. <laughs> you wouldn't then have to buy it also, don't you see? That's the same as money. <laughs> So, uh, speaking of a free game, is that for a segue? Uh, I'm about to ask you a completely random question. 
It has nothing to do with anything that we've talked about. If you answer this question, and it's never happened, but I suppose you could plead the fifth and just not answer it. But if you do, you go, you go into a drawing for a free game on the platform of your choice. In your case, I know it would be a PC game. Okay. Uh, uh, there will be a thread in everything else that has this question as the subject header. Um, all right, so you ready for a random question, Mark Asher? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I've, I've been waiting for this, so yeah, go ahead. Go. And by the way, I ask because I know we'll spin off into what makes me want to ask you this in particular, but I've given it a bit of a twist here. So the normal story that I think you would bring up for this, you can't use. I don't think. We'll find out. Okay, here we go. Here's your random question, Mark Asher. Who's the most famous person you've touched? The most famous person I've touched? Wow. Um, well, I am going to say... I can't remember exactly if I touched him, but... And you must have given him change. Yeah. It's the... What is that guy's name? He played the captain in um, The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. He played the... Well, now I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't think you're talking about the one that I'm thinking of. <laughs> first of all, what is The Ghost and Mrs. Muir? It was a... Well, first of all, it was it was an old movie. I mean, I know, I know you don't watch black and white movies, Tom. What are um, those? <laughs> I know. So, uh, but this was a uh, 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 an old movie with Rex Harrison, and he played a ghost, a sea captain ghost. Um, this is the guy that was on um, on Hollywood Squares. Oh, Match Game, right, 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 right. Nelson Riley. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I was, th yeah, that's the story I was thinking of. So, yeah. but I didn't know if you actually had touched him. Uh, I, I gave him change. Yeah, he would. He bought uh, he bought porno magazines. Right. So. Now, by the way, Mark Asher, what the heck were you doing selling porno? I was just trying to make my way in the world. You know, I had <laughs> <laughs> you were young and you needed the money. <laughs> so you worked, you did work at like a magazine stand, right? And Charles Nelson Riley was in town. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was it was a, it was actually a small bookstore. It was more than a magazine stand. It was actually more of a bookstore than a magazine stand, but it ah. it did have a really good selection of magazines. That, you know what, Mark? That makes the story even more sad. Go ahead and tell it, though. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah. Charles Nelson Riley, he was in town to direct a play at uh, the Loretta, Loretta, Loretta Hilton Theater in St. Louis, which is uh, part of Webster University, which is a pretty renowned university for, for theater. Marsha Mason went there, for example. Um, they got a very good theater program. And Julie Harris was one of the stars. And the other star was... I can't remember the guy's name. Did he he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Fiddler on the Roof. Zero myself. No, no. Oh. That would have been Best Actor. This is Best Supporting Actor. He was like, he was the, 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 the young man who was going to marry the young woman, uh, the daughter of Zero Mostel or something like that. Well, spoiler, first of all, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's only like, you know, 40 years old. <laughs> But uh, and he also he had a short-lived TV series which starred a chimpanzee that was like super intelligent. He was like a CIA contact, you know. So, that is beautiful. Whatever that is is beautiful. Yeah, I know. It's like great. Yeah, I mean, why don't they make shows like that anymore? So. <laughs> yeah. So Charles Nelson, and, and if you remember Charles Nelson Riley, he looked just 
in person like he did on TV. He had the hat on and everything. And he acted just the same. He had the laugh and everything. And so one time he was buying porno magazines. Uh, and he, he said to me, I want the one book of poetry. Do so you have the one book of poetry? And I'm, I'm thinking, well, there's like more than one book. What do you mean, the one book? And he goes, I said, well, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean? He goes, no, the one book. You know, he was playing with me a little bit. And so, you know, I pleaded ignorance, and finally what he told me was he wanted Emily Dickinson. So, And we actually had that, so I got that for him. So I, we, we touched that very closely. So Now, I feel terrible now bringing up the poor guy buying porno when, when it, there was that touching little story about about him. Oh. Well, you know, and you know what, Mark? It's so terrible. Like, God bless the Internet now, because people like him, you know, if I ever, not that I ever would buy or consume or observe porno, but if I did, I would hate for someone to tell a story about, yeah, I remember Tom Chick buying porno from me one day. <laughs> and poor Charles Nelson Riley, you know, every town he went to, he probably had to do that. There's probably somebody who has some story about the, the guy buying porno. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm scheduled for another por- podcast later on tonight when I talk about <laughs> Tom Chick bought porno. <laughs> Sorry about that, Tom. Okay. Uh, by, by the way, so great taste with uh, Emily Dickinson. Now, you're big into poetry. Uh, would, would that You obviously, I presume, would support that choice, yeah? Who's better than Emily Dickinson? Oh, uh, she's good, but there are lots of poets I like. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I like a lot of contemporary poets like Albert Goldbarth. He's still alive, you know, so he's a cool guy. So, yeah. I, I met a woman who had a nice six-month relationship uh, based on an Albert Goldbarth poem, so yeah, I gotta love that guy. So. Wow! Wait, how does that happen? If you don't, can can you tell this story? Of course, I can tell that story. Yeah. If you uh, tell this story, I'll tell one about John Irving. So go ahead and tell your your Albert Goldbarth story. Okay. Well, okay. First of all, I mean, I've actually met Goldbarth a couple of times in person. I've gone out and had beers with him. He's the only uh, poet to win the National Book Critics Circle Award twice. He's a he's he's a really renowned poet, you know, although such such, such as, as it is with contemporary poetry, people just don't know it anymore. Um, but, so, I was looking to try to meet someone, and I used Craigslist, and I, I, I just put an ad in, in the personals, and I basically said, hey, here's a poem I like. It was a short poem, like 14 lines. It wasn't really a sonnet. But, um, and then at the end, I said, if hey, you think this poem is interesting, you might find me interesting. And I got like one single reply. But, <laughs> but she was a cool, a cool girl. So we had a really nice time. So we're losing it. Lean into the mic. We don't, we don't want to, but that, that's great though. I mean, that's, that's a, that's, I mean, what better way to weed out like that? That's a great criteria. If, if you're into this poem, I am too, you know, that that's not something that's going to get like a million responses. It's just to get, get the important responses. Well done. Ugh, rats, I'm losing you. Ugh. Can you lean in? Are you there? Hello? Swallow it or something, but... Uh, oh, there, yeah, yeah, swallow it. Whatever you're doing there. There. Okay, I'm close. Okay. That's perfect. Uh, the internet dating, it's like, it's all about trying to weed out people. It really is, so... So my John Irving story, I don't, I don't, this isn't, well, you know what, yeah, okay, this is an exotic locale, so I, I like okay. this story. And... Good Lord, I don't remember this girl's name. I was on 
and this this is this is going to sound so cheesy, but this is absolutely true. I was on a train from Mombasa to Nairobi, and met an American girl, uh, really cute woman. It was like an overnight train ride, and we connected based on the fact that I was reading. And, and this book, I think, is kind of overrated. I couldn't imagine it working right now. But we connected based on the fact that I was reading A Prayer for Owen Meany. That's John Irving, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, she she was talking about, I think something came up where she said her favorite writer was was John Irving, and her favorite book was Prayer for Owen Meany. And sure enough, that was the book I happened to be carrying with me and reading at the time. Uh and it, it made for a, a very lively train ride from Mombasa to Nairobi. So thank you, John Irving. Thank you. <laughs> really? And, and what a, I mean, yeah, that's a strange train ride to begin with. That's, that's cool, though. So good story. Thank you. Uh, it gets R-rated, so I didn't want to get too deep into it, you know, for, in case kids are listening. Yeah, mine, mine gets R-rated, too, but it takes a while. So. <laughs> I only had the one train ride to get R-rated, though, so I had to do that quickly and then move on. And uh, So anyway, that is, so your most famous person you've ever touched, Charles Nelson Riley. You ready for mine? Yes, yes. And I don't want to be the jerk who's like, I can top your story, which I, I'm, I promise I'm not trying to do, but I'm really proud of the famous person that I touched. Uh, okay. And it's not what you might think. You know, I've been lucky enough to do some goofy little like TV shows and whatnot in L.A. None of that matters to me. This one was really cool. When I was in school, uh, in I guess it would have been ninety, ninety or ninety one, uh, William Jefferson Clinton gave a talk at the Kennedy School of Government that I went to hear. And afterwards, because uh, I'm from Arkansas, and you know he'd been the governor of the state there. Afterwards, I, I stood in the line to to shake his hand after the talk, and you know he was always really good at, at pressing the flesh. And and I just remember almost being drunk, you know, waiting in line to come up and shake his hand, and then actually getting to shake. Clinton's hand. It was before he was president, uh, but he was just such a dynamic person. I was just so proud of him being from Arkansas. and uh, So that's the most famous person I actually touched and shook his hand. Um, well, that's that's good, Tom. That's, that's, that's impressive. I don't, yeah. I don't, I, and the thing, too, also, Mark, is as you're waiting in line to go up, you know, he you have the opportunity to say something. And I just remember being so flummoxed trying to, trying to think what I was going to say. And to this day, I have no idea what I said. I, I'm not even sure if they were actual words, if I just babbled syllables. Uh, but so I, I have touched president Clinton. You have touched Charles Nelson Riley. Yes. Both, both captains of a sort. I suppose. <laughs> Very well put. <laughs> uh, well, Mark, thank you for uh, hanging out with me today. It's been cool catching up with you. Uh, move to Los Angeles, and you can come and hang out with us uh, at Shoot Club on Thursday nights. And we will show you some video games that are not World of Warcraft. Oh, okay, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. Usually I see those over my kids' shoulders. So. <laughs> well, here's the deal, Mark. If you move to Los Angeles, I'll come out in the Jeep and pick you up from LAX. So there you go. So. Okay, then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look up flights. Like, right <laughs> Something for you to consider. Uh, so, Mark, thank you. Uh, those of you listening, post under the thread, uh, who's the most famous person that you've touched? Oh, we need some special criteria. So your your post has to begin with the letter M, because that's Mark Asher's first name. So post under who's the most famous person you've touched and begin your post with the letter M, 
tell us who the most famous person is that you've touched. Uh, and then at the end of the week, you'll go into a drawing for a free game on the platform of your choice. Uh, join us here next week. We will have Jason McMaster talking about heavy rain. Now, heavy rain, do you know what that is, Mark Asher? Uh, it rained here in St. Louis today. <laughs> is that some kind of crazy video game? It's a crazy video game. It's on the PlayStation 3, uh, and it's it's like this. Uh, I, I hate it, by the way. I don't want to color any sort of discussion before Jason gets on to talk about it, because I think he liked it. But it's like... Um, it's like interactive fiction. It's like one of those books where you're like, if you want your character to kiss the girl, turn to page 76. If you want your character to slap the girl, turn to page 112. You know, it's uh, it's like a forking. You're watching these turgid, awkward cutscenes, and every now and then they're forking paths for the storyline. Uh, it's basically an old school adventure game, but without the pixel hunting. Okay. That sounds like something I can miss. I'll, I'll, you know, so. I'm with you 100% on that, yeah. Okay. So. All right, so uh, those of you listening, join us next week. And, Mark, it was so good to catch up with you, and uh, we'll be seeing you around uh, on the forum. Okay, it was great. Thanks, Tom. Take care.